Hey there, Purpose Warriors. Welcome to the Awaken to Purpose podcast. This is Dr. Brunel from drbrunel.com, where we believe that every season in your life serves a greater purpose. If you're new to the podcast, here's what you need to know. We are a community of purpose warriors who believe that God's best version of ourselves is hidden on the inside of us, just waiting to be awakened as we grow in our relationship and continue to say yes to what God has called us to do in the earth. We know that God's purpose for our lives was preordained and the reason why he created us. So every other week, this podcast seeks to explore how to awaken to your purpose from a practical standpoint and become God's best version of you. And we do this by touching upon our five pillars of purpose, faith, relationship, identity, resiliency, and stewardship. If you want to know more about our five pillars of purpose, head over to my website at www.drvernell.com backslash podcast. So before we dive in, I need to share with you that this podcast is being brought to you by my new book, From Pain to Purpose, where I share actionable steps, biblical principles, and life lessons on how I discovered my purpose after a painful and unexpected divorce and was left to raise two children with more than a million dollars of debt, zero access, and a negative network. My book is available on my website, again, at www.drbrunel.com, also on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, or wherever books are sold. So if you want to learn more about how to release limiting beliefs, overcome financial difficulties, experience radical breakthroughs, and step courageously into your purpose, then grab your copy today. And remember that God can use whatever unfair or unjust act, any rejection or hurtful experience, and transform your pain into your purpose. So let's jump right in. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you are tuning in to the Awaken to Purpose podcast. It is my pleasure, and I'm so excited to have Taylor Glenn on the podcast today. She is the founder of Child Arise, a ministry dedicated to empowering the sleeping girl inside of women to arise. She uplifts women by cultivating an environment that allows them to be fully seen and heard no matter where they are on their path. Her program empowers women to tap into the parts of them they've shut down for years, to love themselves wholly and feel worthy of everything they were created for by introducing three steps. One, uprooting false identities, planting seeds of truth, and growing into all they have been created to be. What I love most about Taylor is that she's unwaveringly um, dedicated to helping women walk boldly and unapologetically in their purpose by knowing their priceless worth in the eyes of the Lord. Welcome, Taylor, to the Awaken a Purpose podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, Vernell. I'm so yes. glad to be here. Absolutely. So I think that you have such an incredible story to share with the listeners. And I would just love for you to just jump right in and to share your story. Yes, absolutely. So like you said, I have started a ministry called Child Arise, speaking to the broken girl inside of women. And I've been mentoring for about eight years in multiple leadership positions throughout my life, probably about 10 years now, just kind of born a leader. And while I've been doing that, though, I did not always know my identity. I didn't always know that I was worthy 
of walking in what other people saw in me. So I was pouring into other people basically from this broken place. Mm. And yep, in 2018, I was sitting in my office with my boss and mentor. And we were just kind of getting work done throughout the day. And at the end of the day, she asked a question that I would have never expected. And it wasn't even about me. She asked how my daughter's doing. And I broke down because my daughter was seven at the time and she was not doing well. She was about to get kicked out of her school for her behavior. And we had just found out that she had experienced her own trauma that triggered my trauma. And so both of us were basically just a hot mess out here, you know, in the middle of a town where we weren't with our family or anything like that. And so when she asked me that question, I basically started crying and she looked at me like I was crazy because up until that point, I had a pretty great mask on and, you know, I just kind of let her know the brokenness that we were walking in. And by the end of me talking to her, we were both in tears in the office and she gave me permission to quit that day. Yeah. I quit my job. So I was managing an apartment complex, uh, on leadership at church, leading a young adult ministry, serving our pastors, a single mom. And I basically just quit all my responsibility. And two weeks later, Thanksgiving weekend, my daughter and I moved to a tiny town in Colorado just in time for the worst winter in 10 years. So we were moving from Arizona. I'm very much a city girl, very much a desert girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. And we were moving up to 10 feet of snow at the end of November. And my parents live there. That's the reason why we moved there. They have a guest house that's basically a garage that they turned into a studio for us. Mm -hmm. And my daughter, again, she was seven at the time. So the two of us are living in this tiny studio. And I basically just hibernated for a year. I just sat up there at the feet of Jesus to be able to heal from over 10 years of built up trauma that, Mm -hmm. you know, I just continued to roll over for years, you know, not even acknowledging that those things were hurtful or those things were things I needed to deal with. Mm -hmm. So when you were having the conversation with your boss, what was it that you said that caused her to say, you know what, you can just quit your job? Like, did you say like, I am just so done with life and the things that I've gone through. I don't know what to do. I should just leave did like, who says that? Like, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> just, you can quit. <laughs> yeah. Who blurts out like, yeah, just why don't you go ahead and quit? Like who says that? Like, instead yeah. of saying, Hey, um, why don't you take a couple of days off to think about it or to just kind of like do a little bit of self-care, but to say like, okay, quit. Where did that come from? Right. So again, I was in all of these leadership roles. And so being a single mom, trying to drop my daughter off at school, go to work, pick my daughter up from school on my lunch break, come back to work, go drop her off at an after-school program. I was literally back and forth consistently. And I was in counseling in the middle of depression. I literally stopped showing up everywhere except for work because that's the one place that you have to go to. Mm-hmm. And the biggest reason was because you know, when you walk past someone and they're like, Hey, how are you? And they just keep walking so fast because they don't actually care. Yeah, you're doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) guilty, right? (laughs) We're all guilty of it. That started irritating me so much because it made me acknowledge that I was not okay. And I recognized that they didn't care. They were literally just saying something that felt comfortable for them to say. 
And so I wanted to, well, one, I didn't have the capacity to say I wasn't okay, but also I knew that they didn't care. So anytime someone asked me that, it frustrated me and made me acknowledge that brokenness. And so I just stopped showing up. So I kind of let her know, you know, I'm in counseling. My daughter's struggling. I'm struggling. I don't want to leave my house. These people coming in the office are annoying. I don't Mm -hmm. have the capacity to talk to them and I'm tired. Mm -hmm. And so she asked if I have help. And I was like, yeah, in Colorado, you know, my mom moved last year, so I don't have Mm -hmm. help out here. And so I let her know, you know, a couple of weeks prior, my mom had asked if we could move up there and I moved out when I was 18. So I've never been the one to like, oh, let me move back in with my parents, you know? So it wasn't even an option. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But when she asked that question again, it was like, okay, maybe this is what I have to do. Maybe I do need some support. And if I have Mm -hmm. to, in my mind, take a step backwards to get that help, then that's what I'm going to have to do. So when she asked if I had help from someone and my mom had just asked me two weeks earlier, if we could move up there, it kind of brought it full circle to where I was like, okay, maybe that's the best decision for us. So what was your relationship with God? As you were going through all of this, you had all these different leadership roles. You felt like stressed out, overwhelmed as a single mom. You started to realize that aspects of brokenness that you were feeling over the years and the pain started to surface. Where was God in all of this for you? Yeah. So I felt like I was consistently seeking him and trying to surrender it to him. But again, it was almost like it was something on my to-do list of like, spend time with God go to work, take care of my daughter, get some self-care in. So it's one more thing of work rather than like a, it's, I mean, it's a relationship. So you're trying to cultivate this relationship when you don't have capacity for any other relationship in your life, you know, and I'm serving at church at a level to where when I was going, I wasn't able to receive. And so obviously we should have our own relationship outside of church that we're getting filled from, and we shouldn't just be filled there. But when I'm going, it's almost like, again, another thing on my to-do list. So God became less of something that was like a piece for me or like just being able to sit in his presence because everything was so exhausting. And Mm. I still had hope. I still had faith that he was coming through, that things could get better, but it wasn't something where it was like this safe space or this like, you know, peace that I could stand. I was being very disobedient at the time in the relationship that I was in. <laughs> and so how can you go to him when he's like, you haven't done the last thing I told you to do. You wonder why you're depressed right now. Look who you're hanging around with. <laughs> you know, first of all, I love a lot of things that you just said. It was so good. First of all, this checklist with God, um, yep. I think, that resonated so much with me because I've been there, I've done it, and I might be doing it right now. Lord, please forgive me if I am. <laughs> but it's, you know, you get into these routines and these habits with God. Like, you know, some people will say, okay, I'm going to do my devotional. And I remember when Joyce Meyer said before, like, we snack on the word, you know, yum, mm-hmm. yum, yum. And then we go through these routines of, okay, so, you know, I snacked on the word, I've tied, let me go serve in the church, let me go. And yes. <laughs> you're just like, you're going through these motions and you're seeking God in your own way. But sometimes that peace that you're looking for doesn't really manifest itself. So it right. sounds like you were going through all of that. Plus, on top of that, you were involved in a relationship with someone. 
And there are some people who might look at that and say, well, you know, maybe it wasn't that bad being a single mom. But I know as a single mom, it is very stressful and overwhelming. And when you feel like you just absolutely don't have peace and then you're with someone and not that you're going to get the peace from that person because that doesn't happen. Right. Um, but it's like all of these things start to take place. Do you feel like God told you to move back home with your mom? Do you feel like you said everything was lining up, but do you feel yeah. like you heard from God or anything like that? I feel like everything that has happened in my life that was supposed to happen has happened with ease. And so this was something where, again, my mom mentioned it. I was able to give my two weeks notice two weeks before Thanksgiving. So my parents were going to be down in Arizona for Thanksgiving where they were able to help me pack up and move back up there. So everything pretty much just happened so seamlessly. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's a lot of times where I'm like, God's clearly telling me this right now, but Mm -hmm. typically that's at a point where I haven't listened the first like 12 times. And so (laughs) yes, (laughs) when things just line up real easily and we are obedient the first time, it's not like he has to speak real loudly, you know? And so again, it was just a very seamless process where I definitely think that that was something I 100% know that that was what he had for us was to move up there and just to unplug. Um, Because it's hard to walk in purpose or be connected to the people you're supposed to be connected to when you're plugged into all the wrong things. Hello. If that's not a word, we all should write that down. (laughs) (laughs) So when you say that for the next year, when you moved down or moved to Colorado, you were sitting at the feet of Jesus. What did that look like for you? Yeah. So right before that, quite a few relationships had just kind of dissolved, like friends I had been friends with for a long time Mm -hmm. and all of that. So when I moved up there, it was very much my daughter, myself and God. Like Mm. I, again, I'm a very much a city girl. So to go up there in the middle of winter, Mm -hmm. I didn't go outside. We didn't have air conditioning. We didn't, nothing. I had to light fires in a wood burning stove (laughs) to have heat. (laughs) Okay. get out of bed because I was like, one, I was depressed. So I didn't want to get out of bed, but two, it was cold out there. So it was literally just me being in this quiet space with no distractions. And I was typically listening to the word because I didn't really know how to be in it like that, you know, to be able to read it and get what he's trying to tell me. So I was mainly listening to sermons, listening to scripture and writing a lot. Like Mm -hmm. journaling and writing is my thing. And so I had all these notebooks and I would just write however I was feeling, write things that people had spoken over me, write why I felt like I was struggling. Prayers. I have notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of prayers. Now it's funny to read through them because I'm like, that was tripping. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, you might need to go ahead and take those prayers and make them into a book because sometimes people don't know what to pray when they're going through life's difficulties. Should I assume that the person that you were dating, that you guys were no longer dating after you moved? (laughs) (laughs) We did try to make it work for a while. Okay. And it was a very bad idea. Again, God did not want me to be in that and was really trying to guard me, but I was strong-willed and comfortable in what I was in. I Mm. thought I was comfortable. Let's rewind that because a lot of times- We say we're in it because it's comfortable, but it's not comfortable because we have no peace. We have confusion. Yes. We question God every single day. Am I supposed to be in this? 
So that's not comfortable. We just call it that. So, you know, so I was in that for a while and we were driving back down to Arizona pretty much monthly for me to kind of figure out this relationship that I was in and ended up finding out that he had been cheating on me for quite a long time. And our relationship was very toxic, but I didn't realize that until I got out of it. I mean, I had abortions with him. It was very controlling and those things triggered my childhood trauma. And Mm -hmm. so it definitely allowed me to heal, you know, being in Colorado in the mountains and acknowledging how all these things are tied to each other and how, you know, all these people are making decisions for my body without me having a say in it. And so, you know, I had to realize that that's not what he wanted for me. And I could have gotten out of it a long time before all these things happened or before I found out all these things, but I just continued to walk in disobedience until I got to the point where literally my mom told me I needed to be on medication for depression. I would not get out of bed. And this is after probably eight months of being in Colorado, going through all this healing process, praying, knowing the word, feeling like I'm starting to make some progress. And then it just hit this, like, I couldn't, if I was going to choose that relationship or I wasn't. And if I Mm -hmm. chose that relationship, I was choosing depression medication a psych ward, probably, you know, like all of these death things, because I was attached to someone that God never wanted me to be attached to. And one day I spoke to my friend and he basically told me, we know what your life entails. We know everything that God's spoken over you. And this is what it's not. And so you can choose one or choose the other one. And so I just broke up with him that day. And it was like the work I did over that entire year just came full circle. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm great. (laughs) So first of all, again, that was so good. And I love, love, love how you talked about how we stay in things and we say it's because we're comfortable. But the truth of the matter is that we're not comfortable. And I don't even know if that's just like an excuse word that we use, right? Um, I think probably what people are really saying and what I've meant when I said I was comfortable, I didn't want to do anything different. Sometimes it is, I know I stayed in my marriage because the thought of ending it and trying to figure out what my next steps were going to be was too much in my mind. I was too overwhelmed. And so if I said I was comfortable, it only meant that I just wasn't ready to face what life would look like if I had to make all of these decisions, right? If I had to end it, if I decided to walk away, what the implications were going to be to my kids and all of those different things. And I just remember this one pastor was saying, he says, sometimes God has to break your heart to blow your mind. Amen. Ooh, Jesus. I'm telling you, my heart was broken. It's just, it's crazy. So do you think that like, after you made the decision to say, okay, Lord, I'm just, I'm done with it. I'm breaking up with him. Did you feel like that spirit of depression lifted from you or was it still lingering? No, it literally was like, I, yeah, it wasn't attached at all. It was like this entire weight lifted off of me. Mm. All of it was attached to that, to me staying in that relationship. It was affecting Mm -hmm. my mental health. It was affecting the way I was eating, the way I was working out. Like it was so foggy in my entire life that, Mm -hmm. yeah, because, you know, we don't realize that the power of disobedience (laughs) and everything that's attached to it, you know? And so when you're with someone who 
you should never be with to begin with and you're wasting years on it. It's really like a worth and an identity thing, you know, like that's all I feel I'm worthy of having. So talk about comfortable, Mm -hmm. like God does want to blow your mind. Like he wants Mm -hmm. to do exceedingly and abundantly above, but we don't realize that that's hard because all Mm -hmm. I feel worthy of is what I can think of, but he's trying to do all the way up here. And that's Mm -hmm. a difficult thing because you're like, but this is good enough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like this. Well, we think we like it, right? So let's talk about disobedience because you've mentioned it a few times. I know. So when you, (laughs) oh God, let's keep it real. Okay. So when you (laughs) say, (laughs) when you say disobedience, do you mean that you heard the Lord tell you not to do something, but yet you did it anyway? Or for you as disobedience, like you know what the word of God says and you knew you were going against his word or was it a combination of both for you? Oh, it's both. Okay. It's very much both. <laughs> it's both of those things. <laughs> Can you speak on that a little bit? Like what was God saying to you? No, <laughs> exclamation point. <laughs> This is not it. <laughs> wow. Like, you know, <laughs> and from people, all these people around me consistently mm-hmm. were like, no, mm-hmm. like, do you hear yourself right now? Do you hear mm-hmm. what my family did not like him? My mm-hmm. friends did not like him. Mm-hmm. Like the people around you know you mm-hmm. and you sound crazy <laughs> when you're trying to justify it. You know what? It's such a blessing that you can laugh about it because boy, I can laugh about my stuff now. I I feel like that's almost a sign of deliverance because back then I didn't hear how silly I sounded. I sounded crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the stuff that I was thinking and saying, but I just didn't see it until you look back over your life and you rewind, right? right? Whatever was happening. And then you hit that play and you're like, Jesus, like, I don't want anybody right. to know that this is what I was actually saying. Like, let's keep that between the two of us kind of. Right. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So your disobedience was a combination of God saying no. And then you know what the word of God says. And yet you. Were yeah. Saying. But we justify the word of God and say like, oh, I can twist this to fit what I Hello. wanted to say. Hello. I think the other part of it, too, what I feel like I was hearing you say was really about identity is that you can be a believer in Christ but not understand who God has called you to be, what God has said about you. And so therefore you will adopt the identity of what other people say. And sometimes what we even say about ourselves, and sometimes there's a lot of self-loathing that is involved in that. And we'll put ourselves down. I just remember saying like, I'm just not pretty enough. I'm just not good enough. All of these things. And the funny thing about it is, we will believe what we say out of our own mouth faster than mm-hmm. anybody else. Right? Yep. So it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy when you say these things about yourself. Right. So like, okay, so take us through it. So, okay, eight months, you were still in Colorado. Your mom said, pull it together. You're going to have to go see somebody. You're probably going to be on some type of medication. Mm-hmm. And so you make a decision and you made a decision and you felt like that spirit of depression was lifted off of you. What happened next for you? <laughs> I'm um, I don't a lot. I know. Tell me. <laughs> a lot has happened. I think that's why I bring up disobedience so much because like literally God wants like so much more for you than you could ever imagine him wanting, you know? Mm-hmm. And so as soon as I broke that off, which again, we use the word to justify whatever we want to justify. So mm-hmm. I had hit my ex telling me basically like, 
God doesn't choose your spouse for you, like that would go against the word because, you know, we have free will to choose whoever we want and it should just be in alignment with the word and yada, yada, yada. So I was like, okay, you're right. You know, whatever. And the second I broke it off because I knew he was telling me no, literally a few weeks later, I meet, I met him previously, but basically get in relationship with somebody Mm -hmm. and very much a friendship from the jump. But this is someone that I had met at church previously Mm -hmm. and he taught my daughter's class in church and was an armor bearer at church and, you know, was just serving a whole bunch. And anytime I would see him, because he was an usher as well, I would, you know, go the opposite direction because he's fine. And (laughs) hello, Jesus. Okay. And I was like, I'm with somebody. So I just need to look away, you know, not look at him. And, but I would see him with his kids and serving the kids in church and the way that he would worship, just his spirit, you know, and that was what was most attractive. And so I had to just not have any communication with him because again, I was in a relationship with someone. And so basically once I broke that off, I reached out to him soon after via LinkedIn because he was not on any social media. Okay. And we had this very short conversation through there. He gave me his number because again, I'm in Colorado and he's in Arizona. So I had no other way to be in contact with him. And very quickly, the foundation was God. Like nothing outside of that. Everything we talked about was the word. Both of us were very much in prayer about even our friendship Both of us had just gotten out of something that was like, we know what it looks like to not be in God's will and we don't want to be in that again. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to waste my time talking Mm -hmm. to someone if that's not what it is or catching feelings, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty soon what happened after that. Just crazy to see the difference of someone who gets you on a God level. Like it was literally God saying, I see you. Because there was things I had spoken previously and even things he had spoken previously that we had mentioned to each other without even knowing. Mm-hmm. And so it was like answering a prayer that we, that person didn't even know that we had ever prayed. Boy, I tell you, so um, this is so funny and, and not so funny, but you know, you can date someone who you're both believers mm-hmm. and still be unequally yoked. 100%. Absolutely. And, you know, I know friends who have dated men in the church and they acted like they weren't even a member of the church. You know, they were right. a little bit more worldly. And <laughs> you know, it's so beautiful to kind of hear that these things that you guys were praying about in secret yeah. started to manifest themselves. And you never even said it to the other person just to kind of see God's hand in it. And I'm just smiling because I can't wait to hear. Okay. And then. Right. Yeah. You guys reconnect. Yes. Um, you discover that there's some things about each other that, okay, there's spiritual attraction. Right? Yes. Of course, there was a physical because you said he was fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we can emphasize that. But I think what I'm hearing you say more is that your spirits were attracted to one another. Yes. Can you speak on that? Because I would love to hear it. I'm so excited. Yeah. (laughs) So we had a whole month of being long distance, like from when I sent that message to when we actually saw each other the first time in person was a month. So we had a month of texting, talking on the phone, like five, six hour conversations 
And like, literally, we didn't talk about anything outside of the word and like our story. And so Mike Todd had just come out with the Crazy Faith series. Mm -hmm. And I had started watching it like the week prior and he had started watching it a few days prior. So Mm -hmm. we mentioned it to each other and he prayed about it and basically just asked me if we could watch them together, you know, and take notes about it and talk about it. Right. Lead spiritually, sir. (laughs) I'm telling you right now, I'm about to flip this table over. I I love it. Okay. Somebody (laughs) wants to watch Pastor Todd together. Right. And Crazy Faith was a really good series too. Really good. Yeah. So that was our foundation was crazy mm-hmm. faith. Like mm-hmm. crazy faith was our foundation, not just Mike Todd's messages, but literally that phrase, like we were having crazy faith for what God was doing. And mm-hmm. so we did that for a month and then met in person and had our first official date. And that first date, we laid it all on the line. Like okay. here's all my baggage Yes, or you don't. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Loving it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think both of us at the time, because we didn't have this, like, this is who I want to marry kind of checklist in our minds. Right. Mm -hmm. We were like, okay, I can carry that. Like no big deal. You know, like, let's just keep talking. Like neither of our past experiences had been an issue for the other person, which is something that God had told both of us, like like, who you're going to marry, you're not going to be too much for them. Your past is not going to be too much for them. Jesus. That's for everybody. That's not just for us. <laughs> okay. I was getting ready to say that right there is a word because when God's hand is in it, sometimes mm-hmm. people, and it's so hard because when you've been in different relationships, sometimes people will have you believe, even though it's not true, that whatever it is that you've been carrying is just too much. If it's yeah. too much for them, then they're not from God. That's not right. who God has for you. Exactly, person for somebody else, but it's not for you. And mm-hmm. if they try to make you feel bad about whatever the baggage is that you've carried all this time, they're not for you. So I love the fact, and I love just hearing that whatever both of you guys went through separately, the other one was like, oh yeah, that's not, yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> Wait till you hear mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nothing. Oh. Right. <laughs> okay. 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 And, okay. And then what? So I love Hearing also that God was just not on the peripheral, but like he was right in the center of it all. 100. Everything was peace. Mm. Everything was peace. Okay. I am so excited. I just, okay. So like for those of us who have been out there dating and if there's not that peace of God is not in the midst of it, it doesn't mean that God can't bless your union if you decide to do that. There's probably going to be some hurdles, a lot more hurdles and challenges. I almost feel like what I'm hearing from you is that there was this beautiful friendship that also was there as well. And I don't think we emphasize that as much. I think sometimes what happens is we focus on the end, which is I want Mm -hmm. to be married. Okay. Not so much the day-to-day of what a marriage is and what a marriage takes and not so much about the friendship. Like I want to marry my friend. Right. Okay. So keep going. Take us. Yeah. So we actually had a moment probably two months in where I basically said, like, I feel like God is saying we need to cultivate our friendship. And this was at a point where we were kind of like, this is what I want, you know? And so to anybody, that's almost like a punch in the face. Like, Oh, you act like you want to be just friends. Like you just put me in the friend zone. (laughs) Okay. 
let me just call out my feelings here for a second, you know, uh-huh. but uh-huh. anything that one of us has heard from God and spoken to the other person, God always confirms it. And so, you know, I said, I feel like we need to cultivate our friendship. Like we are at this place where we're long distance. I'm here, you're there. And we have a lot of kind of baggage that we need to be able to express with each other. And we can't really do that if we're looking at it from like romantic place. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to share your struggles with someone who you like really want to accept you. And Mm -hmm. I think with friendships, we don't necessarily have that same like pedestal we put ourselves on that we're scared to fall from. We're in like romantic relationships. We're like, I can't show them that part of me because they won't want to love me, you know, but we've from the beginning said that we were fully seen, fully known and fully loved. Um, And like, that's not just from each other, but from God as well. Like he's consistently showed us, like, I see you and I love the full version of you. So it's funny you said friendship because we definitely had that moment where we had to like take a couple steps back and figure out what friendship looked like and have fun together, you know? Mm. So we did that. And then we were planning to move back to Arizona in February. And that was kind of what I had my mind set on. Cause at this point we're like in December and I was working a job where I was working from home, but I traveled a lot. So I knew that I could afford the places I was looking at, but I was going to have to figure out who was going to watch my daughter. And like when I traveled and did I really want to pay that much? Cause you know, I'm living in my parents' house right now, not paying that much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And basically God told me no to the place I was trying to move into. And what that looked like, a lot of people said, um, well, maybe that's just the market because the place I was looking at changes their pricing every day. And I said, God, if this is where you want me to be, then you'll lower the price tomorrow, which that Mm -hmm. doesn't happen, but nothing's too big for God. So let me pray that. (laughs) And And the price increased the next day. So I said, okay, I'm not supposed to. Okay. Okay. So then my daughter started speaking that we were going to move back in March. And my mom kept asking me, are you moving in March? And I said, not that I know of, like Mm -hmm, I'm moving mm -hmm. whenever we're supposed to be moving. And I got a call the middle of February for basically a position in Arizona, making like 30,000 more than I was making with Mm -hmm. a free apartment because I'm a property manager. Okay. And I was like, "Um, yeah, okay. And I was supposed to start in March. So your daughter was prophesizing. Go ahead. <laughs> facts. She sure was. So I call up him and I'm like, Hey, should I take this job? Like, you know, I've been praying about moving back and Lila's been saying that we're supposed to move in March. And like now this job's in March and I'm able to get my two weeks at work. And again, seamless for us to move back. Right. I'm not having to press or figure things out to be able to make it happen myself. It was a very mm-hmm. seamless process for us to come back just like it was for us to move up there. So I knew that it was time for us to do that. Well, March is when everything shut down because of COVID. Yes. Mm -hmm. So he comes up there, gets us, we drive back, everything shuts down. And in February, God basically put him in a position where he's able to work from home. Mm -hmm. So now we've moved back. He's in a position where he's able to work from home. I'm at work with a free apartment. My daughter already knows him because he taught her class at church. So I'm not putting her with someone random because she's not in school anymore because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So it's literally every single detail has worked out for us to be able to come back and build this relationship that has been long distance up until this point. Just like one seamless thing after another. 
Okay, so where are you guys today? As I think about, yes. I'm going to be bringing this all together. I'm going to be closing this out. I would mm-hmm. love to hear your story. Uh, are you guys still together or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we actually got engaged on December 31st and it was the most beautiful thing ever. I still cry watching the video. <laughs> Tell us about it. Tell us about it. Yes. Again, it's something where there's just so many details for all of it, but basically he set up for our friends to go out. Well, we were supposed to have church New Year's Eve, like a New Year's Eve church service. And it got canceled the Sunday before because of COVID. And so he was like, now I got to find a new place. And, you know, just trying to figure out what he was going to do. But God had told him that wherever he proposed at had to have his presence there. And so he said, okay, I can't shake it that I'm still supposed to do it at this church. So he called the church, talked to the like administration person over it and basically got her permission to still host it there. Okay. He had set up for one of the musicians at our church to play our song, which is the Torn Wells fully known song mm-hmm. on the keyboard and to play it. I know it's the mm-hmm. best. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, now I don't know if he's going to do it because the church isn't going to be there. And called him. He said he's definitely still in. Called our friend who's done all of our photography stuff and had some of our other close friends record it. And basically he told me he would still plan our date night that night, even though church got canceled. And we ended up going to the church because he said he had to pick up some guitar for his son and it didn't make any sense. But I was like, okay, I'm just going along for the ride, not asking any questions. Mm-hmm. And he went in and then he called me and he said, Hey, can you come look at this? And at this point I was like, it's about to go down. Okay. Okay. I was like, this is what's about to happen right now. So I walk out there, I walk around the corner and he has all these candles lit up and a marry me sign. And he's standing in the middle of like this heart and the musicians playing fully known and our friends are there and they're taking pictures and video. And I just like immediately start crying because Mm. again, it's a worth thing, you know, like I'm really worthy of all of this, you know, like for someone to put in every single detail and every single intention and like to choose me, regardless of all my brokenness, regardless of all the struggles and things I've had to overcome, like it literally was just a true reflection of the way that God loves me. And so Mm -hmm. it like broke me down almost, you know, like Mm -hmm. this is really someone who's choosing me regardless, like forever, not just like Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. a little bit, you know? Yes. Yes. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Okay. First of all, I mean, this is about restoring hope. Boy, I tell you how you can go from this. My whole book is about brokenness to breakthrough. And it just sounds like that's what your story is about as well. And how you can have these moments in your life and how God can lift you out of that broken state and really elevate you to say, you were always worthy. Yes. I called you that before you were even born, but you had to get to a place in the space where you believed what he said about you to be. Yes. There's no way I would have been able to be in this relationship without acknowledging that I was worth it. Like Mm -hmm. this is the way God loves me because you can't receive that kind of love if you don't receive it first from God. Okay. That word right there. I just, I'm about to reach through this like screen. Okay, so I'm going to ask you these last questions to bring this to a close. Yeah. Uh, 
So from your story, what life lessons have you learned about your purpose? Yeah. So I would just say that like my purpose is me. Like it's not anything outside of that. It's not some future version of me. It's not like once I complete this course or once I complete that class or once I'm good enough or get to this level, like it's literally just who I am. Like at the core of our purpose, I feel like it's just to be a daughter of God. Like that's what he's called us to be. And one of my favorite scriptures is the woman with the issue of blood. I know that it gets talked about a lot in church, but he's really been revealing it more to me. And Mm -hmm. one of the things is like, she says that she's been healed and he says, daughter, your Mm -hmm. faith has made you whole. And Mm -hmm. that's the only time in scripture where Jesus calls someone daughter. But Mm -hmm. I feel like she says she's healed first and he doesn't acknowledge that she's healed until he calls her daughter until Mm -hmm. he gives her identity. So like my purpose and my identity first and foremost is just to be his daughter. Like nothing outside of that. Amen. That's yet again, another word. I'm gonna have to take note from all of this because it was so good. So what advice would you offer listeners on awakening to their purpose? I would say um, that, I mean, like the method that I teach people now is to uproot, plant and grow. And so the first one is always uproot. And I think we don't really want to do that a lot of times because again, it feels like a step backwards or 12 steps backwards, but really just to like sit down somewhere, unplug from everything that's currently plugged into you and Mm -hmm. rid of every false identity and ideology that you have in your mind, because you can't pour truth into yourself until you acknowledge the lies that are being spoken right now. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like I had to uproot every false identity and then plant truth into me. So then I could grow into what I was called to be. Amen. Amen. Loving it all. So what does this mean to become God's best version of you? Again, I think it's just to be his daughter. Like the Bible says that we are all a part of the body, but we all have different functions. Mm -hmm. And I think of it like a puzzle. So we try to be like someone else's puzzle piece a lot of times, like, oh, that Mm -hmm. little corner on her looks good, you know, or like, let me try to be this way or let me try to be that way because she fits cute over there. But like, if you're the missing piece from the puzzle, Mm-hmm. The whole picture doesn't come together. So you have to be like your exact fit, your exact colors, your exact personality. So I have to be all of that to be God's best, you know, like just who he says I am and stand firm in truth in that. I love it. So <laughs> what do you know about God that you wish the world knew? So much. I'm like, and I feel like my answers to that are so um, simple, probably. But like our pastor has been saying that God is a simple God, like he's not that complex, you know, like you can't really duplicate things that are complex very easily. But I would just say like his word is true and fully true. So I know I said earlier, like he does exceedingly and abundantly above all you could ever ask, think or imagine. And you have to recognize that like that's a very difficult thing to not accept like your standard of what you think is enough. Like he literally wants amazing, incredible things for you. And so if you just walk in those like one steps of obedience at a time, you're able to see like that he's in every detail, every detail. Okay. So yes. And I love, love, 
love everything that you talked about, I must say. I, I'm telling you right now, you have restored some hope in a lot of women out there Amen. who have, you know, had a lot of trauma in their life and now experience this triumph. Yeah. And even if they haven't gotten to the place of triumph yet, just knowing that God is with you every step of the way, he will lead you, he will guide you, and he will get you to a place of restoration. And I feel, like yeah, I feel like that's what your story is about. It's so rich. It's fantastic. It had its highs and its lows and back to the high again, which we always want to see and hear. Right. Three steps that you talk about, just um, this idea of uprooting, right? And sometimes it's really uprooting these lies. Yes. Told ourselves that other people have told us. It's about exposing some things. Um, those untruths that are there and the word of God will do that because it's like a mirror and it you yes. know, just reflecting some things. And so I just love hearing it and I'm so excited for you. Congratulations on your engagement. Thank you. Love to have you back. Girl, you can <laughs> talk to us about what it means to become one. <laughs> yes, I know. Right. Because we've done this thing the right way. So yeah, so it right. And it doesn't mean it's gonna be perfect. It doesn't mean right. it's gonna be like great and that there's not gonna be bumps along the way. But this idea of becoming, it's like you guys are in some ways, it's so beautiful because it's like you guys have already start to merge right? yeah. before you even get to the point of the marriage. And I think that's what's so beautiful about your story. So can you please, please tell the listeners where they can find you? Yes. So I have a website. It's just kind of like a landing page right now. So you can capture your email because I have all these things coming, but they're not fully launched yet. So it is called childarise.org. You can just put your email in there. So then as soon as all these things start coming out, you're able to get information for it. I am also on TikTok. So I kind of share words of encouragement through there. Yeah. I don't really do the whole dances and all that, but uh, it's a minute of encouragement or a minute of like, some fun voiceovers. And again, that's called child arise as well. I love it. Taylor, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been phenomenal. It's amazing. And I wish you all the best that God has for you. Thank you. It was so great to be here. All right. You take care. You too. Beyond my book, if you're interested in learning more about how to become God's best version of yourself by awakening to your purpose, consider enrolling in my online course, which you'll find on my website again, which is www.drvernell.com because God's love for you and the reason why he created you is greater than you will ever know. And guess what? He wants you to succeed in carrying out your purpose.